0: I'm a friend of Sarah Khanna. I was told that she's here. Could I see her, please? No, can't see her. She's making a statement. Where is she? Look,
1: it may take a while. You want to wait? There's a bench over there.
0: I'll be back. So you want to watch a movie, but you don't know which. Choosing the one can be a bitch. But Jared and Drew have perfected the art. So sit back, relax, and trust the dark. It's Dartboard Movie Night. What's going on, everyone? I'm Drew. And I'm Jared. And welcome to Dartboard Movie Night, the podcast where we put 20 movies on a board, throw a dart at it, and let the fates decide. This week... I am getting an opportunity to knock off one of the biggest shamers I've got. It's the only James Cameron film I haven't seen, or at least the only one that he hasn't disowned that I haven't seen, and it's the film that solidified one of the stars as a bona fide capital M, capital S movie star. We are talking The Terminator, starring Linda Hamilton, Michael Bean, and the aforementioned screen legend Arnold Schwarzenegger, making his second appearance on Dartboard Movie Night. Jared, I've got one question for you. Since I'm knocking off a major shamer here, Did you watch Terminator 2 in addition to this one? I did not. So here's the thing. I did
1: some mental digging. I kind of rummaged through the library of memories and was like, I actually think I have seen this movie in its completion, not on television, once when I was a kid. I think last week or whenever we were talking about T2, I was of a mind that I had seen it either on television in pieces or maybe like maybe like on DVD I saw parts of it at a friend's house and I couldn't really remember but as I really kind of dug into the thoughts this past week it's like no I saw it I remember kind of tentpole moments in the movie and I watched it in sequence and I remember like kind of the hasta la vista babies of it all and it would have like
0: been that. nearly so. impossible for you to miss it was played on cable so goddamn much when we were kids
1: all the time that like Shawshank Redemption are like the go-to examples of movies that were just on TNT, like all the fucking time or again, whatever the network was. So, um, but for whatever reason, I had only seen it that once. And again, my memory of it is so hazy that I've gone so far as to potentially fool myself into thinking I saw it in parts. So I am due to see it again, but I did not get to it this week because I, I watched Terminator number one, the first time since it got on the list and we hit it, like early last week, like like the day after we recorded, I watched it.
0: You were just feeling it.
1: I was excited. I hadn't seen it in in forever, and I was excited that we hit such a big movie, and it, I was kind of juiced up for it. So then this morning, I was like, I you know, I saw it like six days ago. I want to be kind of fresh and kind of really engage with the movie before we start recording. And I, I was still a little torn in my feelings about the movie overall. So I really wanted to refine my thoughts because it's a big one. This is a big shamer. Yeah. So this morning I'd made that decision to re-watch Terminator 1, not watch Terminator 2. So I, 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 I failed you a little bit there, but I do see a world where I'll put Terminator 2 on the board someday down the line because my memory of it is so hazy. I remember the ending. I remember the resolution of how they kill this really cool kind of like Mercury liquid metal terminator, I remember that sort of thing. And I remember the kid being cool. And you know how a lot of times I, I believe that child actors can really bog a movie down. I thought the kid was was really solid and I love that sort of natural turn of when the old bad guy becomes the good guy in like any sort of movie. So I, I did respond to it, but it is very fuzzy. Um, so but yes, long story short, I did not rewatch Terminator 2 for this week.
0: Fair enough. Well, before we get into the original The Terminator, we've got a couple of Maya Copas. We started out with only one of them. First of all, we know that that's the wrong pronunciation. That's our bit. There's going to be some new listeners to this episode. The Terminator is a big enough movie. We're going to have people that have never listened to this show before jumping in. We know it's Maya Copa. This is our bit. Fucking deal with it. But Maya Copa. I want to start out first because I've got a maya copa, which is we are re-recording the first about 15 minutes of this episode right now and trying to rehash the things we already did because my computer just full-on crashed mid-record.
1: It was it was a bit of a heartbreaker. Shit happens, but
0: we had some good bits in there, and i I feel I feel upset that we missed out on that now.
1: But and I do feel a little phony doing a little tap dance like it is the first time. But well, that's why I, I wanted to like, call it
0: out. We're not being phony. We know. We know that yeah, we fucked up.
1: I feel like I care. I <laughs> oh, did it
0: pretty fuck. good, though. Right? Like, I oh, mean, you I, did great. I, yeah, I was tip tapping. You're a great liar, Jared. <laughs> dude, I'm
1: such a fantastic liar <laughs> when there's nothing on the line. Like, if I'm just <laughs> like bullshitting, I'm a such a great liar. You should have but become an, an like actor, something, dude. If it's something that matters, it's it's awful. Like, you know that game Balderdash? Dash? Uh huh. I'm a great balderdash liar.
0: When there's actual stakes, you can't lie. Yeah,
1: like when I was in high school and if I had like a party or something and my parents would bust me on it, like that's when I would just like crumble. Like, no, 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 I can't. I had a party, what Like, I can't. I can't lie good in those scenarios that actually matter.
0: But I believe Jared also has a copa here.
1: Yes, you're right. So the original copa that I'm kind of rehashing now, I, I do like that we admitted to this. And actually before we continue, to get that let me out just of the way. say, we... We did not get into our opinions on this movie. We got, like Drew said, it was about 15 minutes. um, So everything, when I start hearing what Drew thinks of this movie and everything else, that's going to be fresh and the real deal. So anyway, back to my Mayakopa. In the past couple of weeks, obviously, for those who've heard those episodes, we've been talking a lot about Werner Herzog. I talked a decent amount on his klaus kinski documentary called my best friend is what i was accidentally calling it it's my best fiend not my best friend And it's a pretty cool doc if you don't mind a little german documentary meaning it's, it's in german uh, i thought it was really interesting to see how combative klaus's and herzog's relationship really was but that is my copa. i said it several times my best friend that's not the name of the movie it's my best fiend
0: there it is You want to give us a quick streaming check on The Terminator for those who have not seen the movie and are at this point in the show?
1: Oh, you know, dude. 1984's The Terminator, currently available on HBO Max, free with subscription. All other ways currently are paid to rent, but a very iconic, influential, legendary sci-fi movie you'll be able to find it. Don't you worry. Uh, If you haven't seen it yet, though, and you do have HBO Max, or if you want to revisit it, that's the best way to do it. HBO Max.
0: Absolutely. Let's do a quick board review before we jump into the Terminator. Love it. On our board currently at number 1, we've got You Can Count On Me, number 2, Akiru, number 3, Zed, number 4, Rio Bravo, number 5, Alien 3, number 6, Anomalisa, number 7, Amadeus, number 8, Election, number 9, Get Carter, number 10, The Limey, number 11, Coraline, number 12, Big Night, number 13, Night Moves, number 14, The Karate Kid, number 15, The Friends of Eddie Coyle, number 16, Secrets and Lies, number 17, Seven Days in May, number 18, Snatch, number 19, Strange Days, and number 20 today's episode the terminator
1: the terminator and it's
0: going to be jared's job today to put a button on the end of our list
1: dude it's so bittersweet the terminator has held the crown for a while and we talk a lot on this show whenever we hit a 20 the importance of that name it needs to pop it anchors the entire list it's the last one drew rattles off obviously but I just wanted to give Terminator an additional shout out to just being, if nothing else, a great name on anchor, on the list for its reign. What was before that? Dream was it, I think it was Kung Fu. Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah, I'm being phony again. We got that in the recording. It was Kung Fu what? Hustle before. We've it sounded so
0: natural. He's he's a natural liar.
1: Dude, I should be an actor, man. What am I doing? Fucking
0: con man over here. Why are you not in like the? You should be joining Danny Ocean on his next heist.
1: I can eat a lot, so I could maybe replace Brad Pitt, just be in the back chewing on sandwiches. L- a
0: little downgrade in ben terms ben. of looks, let's be real.
1: That's yeah, true. <laughs> but uh, a almost little-
0: every <laughs> almost every human being on the planet would be, so yeah. I think you're in good company there.
1: <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I was just lying again. We know this. The last 20 was Kung Fu Hustle. That was a great 20, and before that was the OG, the Ballad of Cable Hogue, which was one of mine, uh, Kung Fu Hustle and The Terminator were both Drew choices. But 20's got a long lineage of of good names. And I'm going to try my best at the end of this episode to put on a new one with a juicy name attached.
0: Have you put thought into it? Have you thought about this up to this week? Significant. Okay.
1: okay. I, I had a movie kind of rattling around in my head for, I would say, the last three weeks, four weeks. And I think it's a solid name and there's an actor in there who I know you and I both love. I don't know if you've seen this movie. We'll we'll discuss when we get there. Uh, But I think the name is strong enough, and it's something I do want to see, and it's got a lot of context. But that will be kind of post our Terminator chat. But now I believe, Drew, we're kind of – blistering into uncharted territories (laughs) kind of recording wise
0: brave new worlds that we're 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 taking our our first steps into
1: (laughs) for real well i will repeat this one last thing and then it's for real for real so normally when we hit a movie that's not a huge flick the question is how this get on the board this is a shamer this is a huge shamer of
0: mine i should say
1: of of drew's yes exactly So let me ask you the traditional shamer question, Drew. How was it that you didn't get to this movie? Because if memory serves, you're a huge James Cameron fan, big time. And I'm just, I was kind of surprised, especially with your love of T2, that you just kind of never took the time to get to this movie. So what do you think it was, if you could say anything specifically, that kept you from jumping into this movie before we put it on the board?
0: Terminator 2 was definitely a formative movie in my childhood I remember seeing it for the first time I remember I was at the beach it was on like TNT or something and um, was just clicking around the TV with my dad at, you know it must have been raining or something and I remember him pointing it out and being like oh you should watch this this is this is good stuff I was probably I don't know 10 or 11. And I wasn't allowed to watch R-rated movies at that point in time, uh, so it was a little scandalous for me, you know, to be able to watch one, even if it was, you know, the edited for TV version. Um, but this is around the same time that I saw Jerry Maguire on TV for the first time, another R-rated movie that has just like been an, a, a huge part of my my formative movie years. And uh, so, yeah, this was just kind of around that time I was catching these these uh, edited down for TV. R rated movies. And I remember I jumped in kind of like halfway and was just like, this is the fucking coolest thing I've ever seen. I was like the, the you know, the liquid metal, the, the, you know, just Arnold and, and, uh, and, you know, young John Connor and, you know, the freaking motorcycle chase through the the LA river. I don't remember if I saw that the first time or if I saw it at, you know, in a later viewing, but just all of that stuff was just like, this is insane like I I was so blown away it was like there, there are those action movies and I'll put you know stuff like Jurassic Park and Mission Impossible into those categories for me where like watching them like every image of it is just so burned into my brain because it's just like like it is hitting on every level so so T2 is a huge movie in my my history now As far as why I didn't watch the original one, I think part of it was that I got introduced to T2 at such a young age, and I knew that T1 was very different, in that Arnie was the bad guy, and it had jankier effects, and it was an early Cameron movie, so it was a little more rough and raw. And I think, you know, subconsciously, I just had it burned into my brain that it was like, T2 was the evolution of T1 where it's like, oh, no, now I have a chance to go back and do it right. Here we go. You know, um, I for some reason, I just I think when I was younger, I had it burned in, into my brain that the original Terminator was it was a first attempt at something. And T2 was like the culmination of of doing that in the full the fully the fully realized version of what James Cameron wanted.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know if you had ever caught these sort of whiffs, but I remember coming up and as I was getting more into movies, I feel like T2 was one of the poster children for sequels that were better than the original. Yeah, Like it was oh, always yeah, like,
0: absolutely.
1: it was always Godfather part two and T2 were kind of the two go-to examples. And first of all, I can't speak to T2 because I barely remember it. But I am one of the people who prefers the original Godfather to part two, even though part two is, I think, a that great movie.
0: That one's a lesser one in that in that circumstance, I feel yeah. like. Because I think, like, Godfather 1 and 2, you ask 50 people, you would get 25 that said 1, 25 yep. said 2. Totally, um, totally. Whereas the Terminator, I think, pretty universally, T2 is accepted as the better film.
1: Yes. And it's like, the first one was great. But the second is even better was what I all I ever heard about T2 specifically, you know, and I think that definitely I could imagine that would creep into someone's head, especially when you came into to T2 as a kid and you loved it so much. It's like, well, I don't know if I want to go back to this lesser movie because that's what culture has told me is like it's not quite as good as this one I already love. You know?
0: Well, and when I was falling in love with T2, I wasn't in my cinephile stage yet where I was like. I want to watch this for educational purposes. You know, like, like you know, I I, I didn't get to that stage really until college. Um, I think adolescence through high school, I was very much in the mindset of just like, if I hear something is great, I'm going to go watch it. But it, it, it wasn't nearly as much of a, a thing of like, well, I want to check that off because I haven't seen that Cameron movie, you know? So I think all of those factors kind of combine as to why I didn't watch it when I was younger. Now, why I didn't watch it from college age on, uh, I I don't have an answer for you. It's just just I didn't get around to it, and it was a shamer. There's a reason it's a shamer.
1: Now, this may have come up when you added it to the board. What It was put on after we covered Conan, right? I think it was.
0: I mean, it would have been put on the week that we did Kung Fu Hustle, Kung so Hustle, let me look yeah. at the list. I mean, it, yeah, actually... Conan was definitely the reason I put it on because okay, yeah. uh, Kung Fu Hustle was the episode right after Conan.
1: Right, right, right. So yeah, because we because we were both pretty smitten by that movie oh. in terms of Conan. It's just like so still, fucking still great. I'm still I yeah. still
0: got the uh, the the honeymoon <laughs> phase going with that movie. Yeah.
1: I'm still glowing from that fucking. And that was like, movie, like almost a year so ago. <laughs> dude, it was so great. It was so much better than we expected it to be. So that seems clear then. That that liking Conan so much was like more Schwarzenegger, please. More of this. And so I think it was a great time to get Terminator up there.
0: Well, we've talked a lot about my history with the Terminator. What is your background with it?
1: It was a one time watch from like sometime in between or around high school and college. think I knew it was an iconic movie I can't remember if I saw it before or after T2 and I watched it on DVD and I was like yeah this was good I liked this but I just never uh, felt the urge to like really return to it which kind of got me excited when you put this on the board and then when we hit it because it's really a movie that I definitely remember more than T2 and I enjoyed, but I really had kind of, I wouldn't say forgot about, but I was excited to revisit it because it was just something that had kind of like, I liked it and I kind of left it. And I was, again, excited to check it out again. So I was super glad that you hit it and will certainly be getting into my thoughts down the road, but in terms of upon this rewatch. But I'm very curious since it is your shamer, I want to ask you first. How did you feel after finally checking this one off? Finishing James Cameron's filmography, how did you feel about The Terminator?
0: Before I say how I felt about it, I want to clarify in terms of my viewing of James Cameron. The only one that I have not seen is Piranha 2 The Spawning. But the reason for that is because James Cameron has disowned that movie. He was removed as filmmaker, uh, like, you know, three quarters of the way through through shooting that movie, and he was never allowed into the editing bay. So that 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 is not his movie that that you can watch at this point. I mean, he filmed a lot of it, but yeah. Anyway, that's. I just wanted to clarify that. I've seen everything else he's done, and I loved it. I mean, it, it, it's it's not T two. T two is a fucking perfect movie masterpiece. Um, it's not aliens level for me. It's not Titanic level. But I mean, we're talking about some of the best films ever made, like you know when you're talking about relative scale yeah it's it's on the lower end probably of my Cameron list but the dude like does not make bad movies like my my least favorite Cameron movie is probably true lies and even that movie is is fucking great like it's super fun um so like Speaking specifically on the Terminator, I mean, yeah, I had an absolute blast with this movie. It's, you know, you can see all the rough edges. You can see like that that he's working within the confines of a budget, and that you know the studio didn't fully uh, back him yet. You know, in certain things, like you can see all the parts where you're like, man, if he had been given another five million dollars, I can see where he would have blown this out a little bit more. But even still, like you know, it's so interesting when you watch a film from early in a filmmaker's career to see like how have they evolved? You know, how have they changed? We've covered a few first-time films on on the podcast and I think we've we've talked about, you know, some really great ones, but quite honestly, I mean this might be the best one of those that we've covered and even still it's on the lower tier of James Cameron. That's how how high I I rank his stuff. But, you know, I I think with this movie you're seeing a filmmaker that's coming out of the womb fully formed, you know, like all of the elements are there. The, the construction of his action sequences, even though it's a little more raw, he doesn't, you know, have maybe the time or the budget to get every angle on every, you know, action scene that he wants, but the style is the same. You know, the, the way he uses his camera, the way he edits, the way he positions, you know, things on a chase sequence, the way he, you know, just orients your brain with the geography of every, every, you know, action scene that he has, it's all there. And it's, it's, it's fascinating to watch this just stripped down, raw, gritty version of, of that, um, because he is so clean and precise as a filmmaker, you know, especially in the later years, um. It it's really fun to see it be somewhere between, you know, gritty rawness like a repo man and the uh the the precision of you know an E.T. Right. It's like it's like caught somewhere in the middle of those two, but it feels it it, it still feels like, like quintessential Cameron.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. I love that uh I love that comparison. And I have kind of my own take on Cameron. Uh, but it's different different than yours, and I'm looking forward to, to speaking about it. But I just want to kind of say, in terms of my reaction to The Terminator, I'm really glad I did that second watch this morning. Because when I left it six days ago or whatever, I was like, you know, it's it's like really good, but it's hit or miss. And I was kind of in this kind of mode of like outlining my thoughts about this movie. I was really had to put them on paper because I was having a hard time wrestling with this movie. And I had kind of come down on, yeah, it's hit or miss. And I was like almost listing good things, at like subcategories and how each subcategory had good things and bad things about it. And then as I rewatched again today, I had, I was starting to do that with my list and I was like, no, fuck that. It's better than that. This is a really, a really great movie. Like it's a, it's an unbelievable story. It's a great the premise. It's perfect. The premise is great, and there are some amazing, amazing things about it, and it's just really cool. There's a lot of stuff going for this movie, so it's better than hit or miss. It's way better than what I was thinking. That said, whatever it means to be a masterpiece, I don't think it's that. I think there is some kind of like – there's some flaws and there's some things that are very of its time. And I'm not even speaking to the effects necessarily because that can get a pass. And some of the effects of this movie are great to also to be clear,
0: especially for um, the budget level they were working at.
1: Yeah, for sure. But, uh, there are other kind of mini kind of nitpicks and hangups that we'll discuss as we kind of explore our, our opinions on this movie together. But overall it's like, no, it's better than what I was thinking. It's a really cool, really cool movie. And maybe my favorite Arnold performance, which is saying a lot. Whoa. Like when I really start to pay attention to what he's doing physically in this movie, it is so impressive to me. And it's I'm like, I think it's almost from an acting standpoint, underrated what he's doing here physically.
0: Uh, I, I completely agree. But what I will say is you need to rewatch T2 for that part alone because T2 is the perfection of that.
1: Okay, that's cool. I, I do need to revisit that because
0: I, I, I mean I think we're on the same page. You're kind of talking about just the way that he embodies this, you know, cyborg humanoid thing, um, and and you know the roboticness of some of the stuff, but still the the very you know precise you know movements. Yes, everything.
1: that the lack of the lack of hesitation. Yeah, the lack of flinching, the lack of like any sort of human humanistic movement is I'm
0: just like watching this and I'm like, this is so sick. It's so interesting. You say that because I'm coming to this as someone who's seen T2 probably 20 times in my life. And Arnie in that is so perfect that when I was watching this, I was seeing the seams. I was seeing the human aspects come through and I was saying, Oh, I can see where he's like almost there with this. And, and it's great. It's, it's, no question like he's he's hitting those marks but he hits them so much better in in T2 and it just like it is pitch perfect in that movie
1: yeah that again got to got to revisit that but circling back to him in this movie i'm thinking of i mean every scene he's doing this but the one that i was just really like that is so fucking cool is it's the first time he steals a car in the movie and he's it's like daylight And he walks across the street and punches in this window and then gets in the driver's seat and slams the door shut. And like a shard of glass, you know, I would imagine it's Hollywood sugar glass, but who knows? But it flies and hits him like in the left eye and his eye twitches shut a little bit, which you could forgive him. But like but nothing else in his body reacts to it. And he's just like – his eye twitches a tiny bit and then his just hands go straight into ripping open the steering column to like hotwire the car. And the movements are just so without hesitation, so without reaction to just basic human feelings about a piece of glass almost hitting you in the eye that I was just like, holy shit. This is like – this must take so much focus for him to actually get into this character. And you know how much I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. And yes, I had – seen this movie long before when I was younger. But seeing it here, I was like, I've never seen him this good from an acting perspective. And again, T2, I, I do need to revisit that. But I just love seeing him in things like Predator and 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 True Lies and Total Recall and all these things. But it's more just his star quality. Mm-hmm. And and this movie definitely has that too. But seeing kind of the way he's doing this kind of unstoppable zombie-esque robot. And embodying it so well, I'm like, oh shit, he's like, he's like really acting in this. He's not just yeah. being a star. Like this is a, a no, performance. You can see it.
0: He's putting, yeah. he's putting in the work.
1: Yeah, and I was just like, this is taking him up in in my mind a little bit because I'm really noticing it on this watch, and I'm like, this is a really difficult, and he's fucking nailing it. Well, I and I
0: think I think what is maybe something that gets missed when people talk about him as a performer is like. and I think we probably discussed this in the Conan episode, I can't remember, but when you think about Arnold, like, I think people write him off because I was just like, oh, get to the chopper and all that stuff, you know, like, but the guy knows his strengths and his weaknesses, and he's very honest with himself about who he is as a performer, and to see him, like, like, I watched a few, like, you know, kind of special features things on YouTube and stuff before we recorded. And you can really see how he he saw the value in it. He's like, oh, okay, I, there's something for me to play here. Like, Like he knows what he can bring to that character and just the confidence that it takes to be able to A, recognize your flaws and your shortcomings and B, recognize your strengths and then C, go ahead and like, know exactly how to position yourself to to maximize those. The, like he he's so fucking smart as a as a performer. And people do not give him credit for that nearly enough.
1: Yeah, for him being like I could do that or no I shouldn't do that. This is more my, this is more in my wheelhouse. And yeah. he does take risks too. I mean, he's done comedies and all sorts of different things. Like he's Absolutely. not oh, he, he's far from a one-trick pony, but he definitely seems to have a good read on himself and what he would be a good fit for.
0: But I mean, even when you were talking about the comedies that he's in, he understands what is funny about him and what he can how he can subvert his image to to make it funny. And like that that sort of self awareness in a movie star is pretty rare, you know. I don't. I don't think there are. I mean, you know, Hanks. Maybe? I can think of a. F- yeah, I mean, Hanks is in there. I would say Tom Cruise is in there. Like people that just know what they bring to the screen and are able to. Use that to their advantage, as opposed to just being thrown into something and trying to make the best of it and like hoping that it works. It feels like those guys really like pick their projects specifically to fit their own skill set, which I think is a an, an an underappreciated aspect of of great movie stars. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it's funny because we also can give movie stars a hard time in this show for being too protective of their image. Absolutely, and, when, and we're not saying that about Schwarzenegger because. We're just saying he recognizes where he fits in good and where he can stretch himself, but he's very down to make fun of himself and he doesn't take himself too seriously. Yeah. But he is just so well, great from in terms of again from physical performance in this role. I was shocked at how I'm not just swooned by the Arnold of it all like I normally am, like something like Predator. I'm just like really paying attention. I'm like, he's really fucking going for it here, and he's doing a great job.
0: It's really fascinating also to consider that when. So when Cameron was getting this movie off the ground, one of the contingencies that the studio put on it was you have to put a movie star at the center of it. You have to find some, some name that, that can be at the center. And Arnold was one of those guys that got thrown out as a potential one. I mean, he was coming off of Conan the Barbarian. He you know had pumping iron in the late 70s. Like he was a major figure in pop culture, if, even if he wasn't a movie star quite, quite yet.
1: Household name for sure. Absolutely. At this point.
0: And so Cameron met with Schwarzenegger, but originally he was meeting with him about the Kyle Reese part. The idea of Schwarzenegger looking at this and being like, well, I see the value in in this, but I I don't think that's right for me. I think this is, is actually right for me, which is kind of what came out of that meeting between Cameron and, and Schwarzenegger. And by all accounts, I by Cameron's own account, he went into that meeting intending to scuttle the meeting because he was like, No, I don't want Arnold Schwarzenegger in my movie. That's that he's not right for that character. And he's right that he wasn't right for the Kyle Reese character, but he just he he hadn't put the pieces together you know as to to who would be the terminator and how how much that physical presence would bring to that character cuz originally you know Cameron was thinking about Lance Henriksen, who later was a bishop in aliens and and has a small part in this as one of the cops he was the guy that that Cameron kind of had in his mind as the terminator which is so vastly different than who Arnold Schwarzenegger is but it's one of those those Amazing moments in movie history where two forces of nature met each other and and just something clicked and, and they just they they put it into motion and, and the rest is history, you know? It's crazy to think about.
1: It's so it's so cool because I had heard I think a very similar and pretty much the same story you had heard that Schwarzenegger read the script. And he's like, I want to be the Terminator. I don't want to be this Reese guy. Cause again, that was the idea. And then they had this meeting together. And then they left the meeting, and I guess both independently, Schwarzenegger had already had the thought, but Cameron left the meeting and they didn't say they didn't express this to each other in the meeting. But Cameron left being like he should be the Terminator. And Schwarzenegger already had that in mind. And it's like such a good switch. It kind of reminds me of Pineapple Express. Like originally oh, yeah. Seth Rogan was gonna be the dopey drug dealer mm-hmm. and James Franco was going to be the the kind of deadbeat who is embarrassed of their friendship and they and they had the decision independently other. James Franco was like I want to play Seth's part and I guess Judd Apatow and Seth Rogen had in like a separate room had that conversation too yeah. and they decided to switch the roles and it's like one of the great you know in that pantheon same with the terminator of like a great decision because that is definitely the way pineapple express should be it's so much funnier that both James Franco and Seth Rogen are somewhat able to go against their public images at the time and, yeah. and play in a different sandbox that was kind of a new space for them. And that movie is fucking great.
0: But weirdly way. the the Terminator reversal makes way more sense than that one does yes, on, on paper. Like true. if that's like true. before you've seen the movie, you're like, well okay, well Schwarzenegger should be the giant killing machine, obviously. But like, you know, the Pineapple Express one is like well of course you have Seth Rogen as the the drug dealer and and James Franco as the straight man that's just obvious that's what you do and but the but you know in motion it's just like oh well I wouldn't have this any other way
1: yeah it's so funny and also like kind of in aid of what we're talking about with like Schwarzenegger's career seeming to be kind of guided by angels to some degree really cool choice to be on the heels from Conan where he is mostly heroic character. I mean he is barbaric in that film, but he is definitely the person we're all rooting for when we're watching it. And then make the kind of cool career choice to be like, "No, I want to be the villain in this movie." And he is a fucking great villain in this movie to the point where when I was watching it the other day I was like, "Oh, this is barely a science fiction movie. This is a slasher film. Yes, this, well, this is a horror film,
0: and that's what Cameron set out to do. And we'll we'll talk about that more, kind of, on the development of the the movie. But before we get into that, we've we've talked a little bit about my background with Cameron and how much I love him as a filmmaker. How do you feel about Cameron generally? I was
1: really struggling to not even put it into words, but put it into thoughts today. And then it it hit me like a ton of bricks. And it's like I've got the perfect way to describe my relationship with James Cameron. Before this week, I'm pretty confident in saying that there is one James Cameron movie that I have seen more than once. And that's True Lies. Ironically,
0: you had mentioned one?
1: (laughs) Ironically, you had mentioned True Lies is like kind of far down, if not the bottom of your James Cameron list. It is the bottom. But that's
0: not to say it's a bad movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you, you use that to kind of mention how that's how good he is. Like this is my least favorite and it's great. I it's my favorite. I, I love True Lies. I think it's a it's I wouldn't quite say underrated, but is it, it is an amazing action movie, in my opinion. I really like it and it's so much fun. But all of his other movies I have seen just once with possibly the exception of the original Avatar, which I think I saw maybe twice. All that is to say there's something about James Cameron movies where I walk away from the movie and I'm like, that was good. And I have no interest in seeing it again. I don't know what it is because they're they're good movies, but there never seems to be more meat on the bone. They're kind of like, for me, they're like one and done one shot flicks and I enjoy them, but I'm never drawn back to them. And I, I was looking down the list and you mentioned a lot of these and we're talking about some great Movies here. Titanic, I've only seen it once. Terminator 2, only seen it once. Aliens, only once. The Abyss, only once. And then True Lies, multiple. And then again, Terminator, the original before this week was once. So it's, there's something about it where I just do not connect with him on a deeper level. I like him. I like his movies. I'm, I'm glad he's out there doing his thing. But for me personally, I am not. I am not drawn to return, and I don't. I don't really know what it
0: is. I mean, do you think that any of that is just because you just haven't taken the plunge? Because, like, to me, like, uh, you know, I saw Titanic when I was younger. I was like, yeah, okay, Titanic, cool movie. I saw T two. You know that that was clearly a major favorite of mine. Um, But you know, I think when i when i think about cameron movies what i what i really love about them like the first watch is always good but once you let it sit in and you can actually just start appreciating the little details of like how he constructs things like the the lengths he's going to get these these crazy action scenes on film the amount of work and prep that he puts into getting this stuff right and doing it the way that he he knows is going to give you a visceral like reaction i don't know i think when you start to like approach cameron with more of an analytical mind you can appreciate it so much more because the reality of of the way that cameron tells stories is and and this is this is something i was actually talking about with a friend of mine the other day um because they were saying you know well you know avatar does nothing for me because you know the script is just so simple and stupid and I'm like well okay fair I mean that uh, avatar from a, a script standpoint is Pocahontas in space cool like very simple but the simplicity of that story is allowing your brain the latitude to absorb all the other information going on in it and what I mean by that is, like, he's doing, I, I think Titanic, Titanic is my favorite of his. Um, that might be a slightly unpopular opinion, but I think Titanic is one of the greatest films ever made. Um, and everyone knocks that movie for the romance. I defend it f- specifically for the romance. And I will say I am backed by one the one and only William Goldman, who some people consider, like, the greatest script doctor, you know, screenwriter of all time. Goldman, when Titanic came out and people were kind of knocking it for having a very simplistic basic romance, was like, no, 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 no. You're, you're missing the point. Structurally, this movie is fucking pitch perfect. It is hitting, you know, in terms of like how you structure an action movie screenplay, you know, how you you position the emotional beats, like where you put the different like beats of the story. It's, it's immaculate. You could watch that movie on mute or just with only the music and you would never miss a moment of what's happening in the story. And that's intentional because he wants you to stop focusing on the story. He doesn't want to blow your hair back with with the story and how crazy and convoluted it is. And, you know, oh, this is like, you know, a a generation defining romance. No, he doesn't give a shit about that. That is a tool to deliver the, the massive scale action that he's trying to deliver. So when people knock him for that stuff, I'm like, guys, you realize that's intentional, right? Like that is a choice he is making. He knows what he's doing with that.
1: So he's like intentionally watering things down to deliver action set pieces? Is that commendable though? Why not have complicated and interesting characters? I think it absolutely
0: is. When you see the action sequences that he puts on film, they're so much more captivating than anything anyone else is doing. He's above Spielberg in that category. Unquestionably. In my
1: opinion. Uh, I don't know if I'd go there and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying for me, I don't know if I would agree with this. When
0: you watch the ship sinking Jackson- in Titanic, Kirsten. Spielberg has never done anything like Dude, that.
1: That is one of the coolest things I have ever seen. So I will, I will agree with you to some degree there because I remember after I saw Titanic, I had a Lego pirate ship set. It was probably two feet long and all the pieces had fallen off, and at this point, more or less, it was just the hull of the ship. And I would tip it up on its side and play with my Legos like just like Titanic because I thought it was just the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen, this ship going kind of almost straight up out of the water and people falling, and it's just one of the most exciting uh, set pieces I've ever seen. So I w- I do, I get what you're saying here, and I get where you're coming from, but you know how I am kind of, I tend to be drawn to, complicated characters or characters who are hard to pin okay, down. It's like, can you, can you name? And again, I've only seen many of these movies once, but where are any characters of complication? They're also black and white. And every single movie that I can think of yeah. with him, it's like, these are the good guys. These are the bad guys. I mean, they're almost like they have the, the, the depth of characters of like Disney movies. And I, I guess ironically, because well, like what's some the of them problem with that? Movies.
0: Disney movies are great.
1: They're they're great, but I'm just saying. I think that's what of the the I don't. Beauty and the Beast is
0: simple as fuck. That's the greatest animated movie ever made.
1: I think I think uh, that's why I don't return to them because they are simple and they're they're not. But you don't think the spectacle is
0: worth returning for?
1: I mean, apparently not, because I I've these movies have been since first watch in my life for over a decade, okay. and I never have felt the urge to to see them again. You
0: haven't felt the urge, but you haven't tried. That's my point. Like
1: yeah, but I haven't avoided them either. You know? no, I just but, haven't but been I think, enticed. I think,
0: I think if you take the academic approach, if you go, okay, let me just let me just do this. Let me just see how this affects me now. Because now that now that we've like done this podcast for a while, like you've been thinking about movies in a much more analytical way than you probably have in a long time, I think it would be worth revisiting and seeing if that changes your opinion on it. Because it 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 really is it's incredible. And like, look, like in the pre-show, we were talking about Indiana Jones. The new Indiana Jones just came out, and uh, you know, we had, we both had uh, slightly mixed opinions. I think you were higher on it than me for sure. But um, but we were talking about you know, kind of Raiders of the Lost Ark and just how strong uh, uh, Spielberg's you know action filmmaking is in that. And I think that movie's a miracle. But that's like a one of a kind kind of thing. Like I think if you're comparing, you know, Cameron to every Marvel movie that's ever been made. Oh, yeah, way better. He's, he's, and those he's are, far and away above all of that shit. And those
1: are also kind of simple morality tales, too. There's not a lot that's of great i those like, characters that's, either, that's the category so, that
0: he's competing against.
1: So at least Cameron is delivering elevated set pieces. And I, and, and I get what you're saying, too. That his films from a story perspective are kind of vehicles for the set pieces, and he, he is going to dazzle you in an amazing way. Yeah, that's the um,
0: cracker for the cheese that is the, the yeah. action.
1: But I just, I kind of wonder if it needs to be that way, if it has to be so binary, like he needs to choose set pieces. Well, I don't think over it needs to be necessarily,
0: but I do think, like, like your brain can only absorb so much. And when he is throwing that much spectacle at you, I think it is like necessary to strip it down to, to kind of it's, it's bare parts, it's basic parts. Um, and I think, I think, you know, even Spielberg really does. I mean, he does that like, you know, Jurassic parks, my favorite movie of all time. And I think that that is the best balance of action to heady sci-fi to, you know, character that's ever been put to screen. But even in that movie, Characters are pretty one-dimensional. You you really think about it, and I mean, like, yes, Alan Grant goes on an arc, but I mean, characters are going on arcs in Cameron movies too. They're just you know a simplified arc. And and Sarah I Connor
1: say, goes through a huge arc in this movie. Absolutely. So to, to add to what you're saying, I agree. absolutely.
0: And I think I think you know just speaking about Alan Grant, like you know his journey is like going from this curmudgeonly man who hates kids to you know finding a way to be a father figure for these kids and taking care of them and finding the value in that. And, you know, like when you think about it, like the best action movies know how to deliver a simple character arc that, that tells you something about the character, but doesn't need to go much more than the surface level of it. And I, and I don't think that that's wrong for a movie to do. No. Um, Yeah. It's,
1: it's not wrong to be clear. I don't dislike Cameron. I'm glad he's kind of doing his thing because it, it hits a lot of people. And I'm not saying it's like a populist thing, like, like people who love film and who are film nerds like us, just like you are, are huge Cameron fans. There's no, it does not mean it's of a lesser quality because some of the story components are a little more simplified or less complicated. And there is something that I really caught on to watching Terminator for the second time today. And I was like, Oh, he has a great knack for rhythm of story. And editing instincts, like a lot of his editing, is kind of is not super like flashy. Like I wasn't blown away from the movie from an editing standpoint that way. But what I was was his timing and his body clock and his internal clock of like when to get the fuck out of a scene and when to be like let's get on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. He's and I I can't remember in detail, but I would imagine this applies to all of his stuff because. Early on in this discussion, you had mentioned something akin to this. He has such a great vibe for when to move things along. Oh yeah, when, and and just giving you the information that you need, and then we're on to the next thing. And there is a that very you see silly that
0: throughout this movie. It, yeah. This movie is yes. tight as a fucking drum,
1: dude. It moves. It's the 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 way it doles out information is spectacular. Even though I've been Cam- in this conversation giving Cameron overall a little bit of a hard time. I can't say shit about his his rhythm. His rhythm is perfect. And he like, I'm thinking just, this is such a silly choice, but it's one I really noticed it today. Do you remember when they arrive to that hotel before uh, the Terminator, I guess I'll call it instead of Schwarzenegger, but before the Terminator impersonates Sarah Connor's mother on the phone, mm. they get to this hotel and they're going to check in and we see that dog there. And they request uh, a room with a kitchen and they pay for that and then it's just like right from there we're in the ho- we're in the room like that that's all we needed to see there and actually in somewhat ironic way we don't really need to to know that they need a kitchen i don't believe that comes up from a story perspective but point being like i just love when he decides to take you to the next space and into the next thing and he seems to have such a good Vibe for that because you know as a filmmaker you are you must be thinking like well how do we want to get from here to in the room we could we could show them walking we could do a walk and talk we could do anything and he just seems to be like no we we go we go to the room next and we that's and that's when we go
0: yeah so and I don't, I don't his think, his think that's groundbreaking has, stuff by any means no but it's, but it's just it's just really fucking competent filmmaking
1: yeah and it's lean and it's it is very it's the information you need it's delivered in an interesting way. And then, hey, what's the next thing you need to follow this story? here? We, and again, it's very, it, like you're saying, it's very basic, but he does it very, very well. And this movie kind of illuminated that for me in terms of how I view him. I was like, oh, this, there is no wasted space in this movie. There's a lot of filmmakers I adore where they can go fart around on, a, on, a, on an emotional tangent for 15 minutes. And sometimes I hate that. Sometimes I love it. This movie is just kind of a dynamo, kind of kind of like the Terminator itself, well, you know.
0: And and I mean, this is far and away his shortest movie, which you know he's not a he's not a traditionally concise filmmaker. But it's still like even in the longer movies, the longest movie he's made. Like I feel like every element that's there is there for a reason, and it should be there. Um, maybe some people would quibble with Way of Water and the hour it spends swimming around in the uh, the ocean, but you know i i i love every minute of that and that's an experience within itself so i think even that i i wouldn't even qualify that as bloat i think in terms of like you know his his understanding of what to cut what to leave in he's he's a fucking genius so yeah i'm right there with you but i think we've we've done a lot of talk about james cameron we should probably move on to some of the other actors let's let's talk linda hamilton she's a fucking rock star in these movies and I don't know why she didn't have more of a career outside of these I think she's incredible in this
1: I thought she was solid to okay to occasionally bad Oh um, on, I, I was not super into this performance really particularly the epilogue which again I mean what are we talking about here it's like the last three minutes of the movie am I going to trash this whole performance because I wasn't into that no but it's just like when she was kind of slipping into badass mode, leaving her son tapes in this, let's be real, a very cool Jeep. I was just like, I'm like, I'm not buying this. Really? Really. Yeah, I wasn't I'm, really it. I must be
0: bringing it. a lot of T2 baggage into this because she is so good in T2. Yeah, that, maybe, maybe. I don't know. And she's so committed in that movie that I, I, I might be carrying a little bit of my love over. But I, I thought she's great in this.
1: Yeah, I think I think she def- definitely has her moments. She's Sometimes young, like it's terrible. and
0: and this is like an like, you know, you got to remember when she's taking this part. Like, in theory, this could be just a B movie slasher that you know, like doesn't do anything. Like, and not to mention, she was apparently fighting with. James Cameron constantly on set for the, for the shoot of this movie. Like they, they did not like each other, which is funny because they later like got married and you know, they did. Oh yeah. They were married for I like that. six or seven years. I don't, I don't know. Oh,
1: that's crazy.
0: So yeah, and Cameron's Cameron's love life is an entire other podcast that we could do.
1: Well, we'll leave that one alone for now, but talking, <laughs> talking back about Linda Hamilton a bit more like, the other thing where I was like, this is just not working. And I'm not saying Linda Linda Hamilton is to blame. A lot of this could be on Michael Bean, I think that's how it's pronounced, right? The guy who Bean, plays Kyle Reese. Yeah. yeah. And Or like a lot could be placed on James Cameron. But that scene after they escape the police station and they're kind of in that sort of under the bridge, hollowed out thing and she stitches him up and they're having this conversation about who she's going to become. And she's just kind of like, having a hard time believing this like I just I thought those scenes were just not very good I from, I from either performer for yeah for me I thought they were just kind of like they just seemed cliche and and stiff and they kind of felt like they were on the stage like live play okay. type of acting but beyond those two quibbles that's and that's why I kind of was digging this performance down a bit she's she's fine to good in the rest of this so I really am just only citing those two spots specifically that were a little sore to me everything else was, was fine to good and the and and maybe occasionally great, but that's, I was just kind of not over the moon about it. Sound you like you really dug it though.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I thought it was a great performance. Uh, you know, it's clearly a performance from a young actor. Um, I don't, I don't think she had fully figured out what her power on screen is. And that comes to fruition in T2 where she is just like out of control. Good. Um, so, you know you want to, you want to talk about just committing to a role i don't know if anyone's committed harder than she did to t2 the girl just got fucking jacked and like and and just became the ultimate badass and just personified that entirely and um that performance alone to me like makes her like an all-time great for the action genre um but yeah she you know she's young in this movie. She had really only done some TV stuff, and she was the star of uh, *Children of the Corn*, the the uh, Stephen King adaptation in '84 as well. Um, so this was kind of her her breakout year in terms of being like a a, a film actor. The Terminator and Terminator Two um, are are kind of that is Linda Hamilton's you know one two of of her great films. And um, hey,
1: that's better than a lot of people can say. Oh, that is not a knock at all. She's <laughs> yeah, a fucking fun. yeah, she's a that's a, a cool career in terms yeah. of acting. That's a, that you're the one percent at that point.
0: <laughs> and uh, you know, like you know, it sounds like you didn't you didn't dig this performance as much. But quite honestly, I, I think it's great. I you know, it's a B movie performance that gets elevated by the material around it, and I think it I think that works.
1: How did you feel about Michael Bean? as kyle reese in this movie if we move kind of hit to him and what he's bringing here did you did you buy it as authentic
0: did you dig it michael bean i do not mind him as an actor but he's certainly not someone that has ever registered with me as like movie star charisma you know i think far and away his best performance that i've seen and you know uh, note I'll, I'll note that I'm not like well viewed on his filmography because he he did a lot of B movie acting he was not like never really became a major star outside of Cameron stuff but his role in aliens I think he knocks out of the park um he's outstanding in that movie so I I do love Michael Bean but I think in this movie I'm kind of kind of mixed to meh on it um I think he sells a, you know, it's, it's seemed to scene for me with him. I think, I think there are points where he really sells it. I think he really sells the desperation, you know, angle of, of that character. And just like how, like, like he, he does a great job of communicating the stakes in that way. It's the kind of role where I'm like, I'm, I'm reading alternate casting rumors and I'm like, Oh yeah, I could see that guy playing that character. Oh yeah, okay, I could see that. You know, like like it's one of those. Um, so I I think that is in some ways a knock on it, but I don't I don't mind the performance at all. It didn't bother me.
1: I think I completely agree with you. I don't think I have a single word to disagree. So why why rehash? But yeah, I, I'll just say one example of like the security footage in the police station when he's getting interviewed by the psychiatrist and he kind of is like breaking down a little bit. It's like we don't have times like that. That's an example of when he's like good mm-hmm. i'm like oh no nice he's he's doing a lot with this but then just like you said there's a lot of times for me where i'm just like yeah that seemed a little over the top or like eh, that didn't i really think it work. works
0: better early in the movie when you don't totally know his motivations you know um and and it's the whole thing of i mean obviously the audience knows that the terminator is the bad guy but the the sequence where he first uh encounters sarah sarah connor and yeah, in the club where it's like yeah, the Terminator noir, and him baby. are in the same... Yeah, tech noir. <laughs>
1: tech noir.
0: <laughs> the most 80s shit I've ever seen.
1: So this movie is very of its time, which is mm-hmm. another conversation, but my God. But yeah. But yeah, I, I know what you mean, that scene. That, yeah, that
0: yeah. sequence, I think um, he... I, that that really works for me where it's like you don't totally know is he is he going to be a good guy? Is he going to be a bad guy? All of that really works. Um the later stuff, I you know, I think he I think he overplays a couple of things and, and it doesn't totally work for me, but it didn't it didn't bother me. Um I do know that in terms of like alternate casting stuff, uh Christopher Reeve was considered Matt, a very young Matt Dillon, Kurt Russell, uh Tommy Lee Jones, Scott. Oh Glenn. my
1: god, Kurt Russell. Oh, my right?
0: God. That's the one where I heard it and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Uh,
1: but he doesn't really have soldierish vibes, you know. Or maybe he could have. But oh, like, he, he could pull that off.
0: Yeah. Come on. 80, we're talking about two years after the thing. He can absolutely pull that off.
1: That is one thing that I think that Michael Bean is kind of doing well in this is he does have that sort of rigid military vibe. And he does kind of bring through the fact that, like, he's been through some shit and has actually never seen a day without warfare in it, most likely. So he does have that sort of over-excessive seriousness Mm -hmm. that someone coming from that situation would have. And I'm actually wondering, even though who doesn't love fucking Kurt Russell, he's always almost always the coolest guy in the room, And, and I wonder if he would be able to kind of project that sort of fractured mentality sure that requires extreme structure oh shit i just lost power i'm losing jared Fuck. Fuck.
0: okay all right shall we all lead right. in
1: yeah got ourselves a cursed episode here drew
0: Who sure knew? do
1: we were just going to be wrestling with Olympians and Zeus and everybody else. It's crazy.
0: It's been a good 72 hours since we were begin. We, we had our first recording of The Terminator. And then all of a sudden, uh, while we were in the middle of talking about the actors, what happened, Jared?
1: Loss of power. And, of course, with it, internet connectivity, which is how we do the show. A little peek behind the curtain. We do it over no Zoom. No way. <laughs> I know. It's baffling. Um I have lived in Atlanta in this apartment specifically for about seven years. And that is the second time I've ever lost power for like a significant amount of time. And in addition to that, I'm pretty sure we touched on it. But the first recording was Drew's computer crash. And we lost like the first 15 minutes of that. So Yeah, we we mentioned it at the beginning of this. (laughs) And And then for recording number two. We lose power, and Drew had to go. We were just like, "This is we can't finish this tonight. Literally, it's impossible." So let's finish the Terminator. We'll get back into it. So this is kind of our attempt to remember where we were, and I'm pretty sure we were kind of rounding the bend on the actors. If we want to kind of pick it up there, if that sounds good to you, Drew? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, we talked about Linda Hamilton and and Michael Bean, and but let's let's talk about you know some of the side characters in this movie because they're you know. There are definitely a few highlights. Uh, you know, I think one of the first ones that I would want to highlight personally would be Paul Winfield as Traxler, who's like the main police detective who's who's kind of on the case. I really, really love him. Um it's not anything to do with like the character. There's really not much going on there. He's just kind of like a guy who there's something happening that's beyond his understanding. And, you know, I think he's he is trying to Stay grounded, you know, amid the insanity. Um, but yeah, he, I, j- I just, I really enjoyed his presence. I think his, he's got that very cool, calm, collected presence that I really enjoy on screen.
1: Yeah. It, he, he's playing it, it seems to me, very small. Like he's, but there's something about his energy. It's just kind of magnetic. He's, in, he's one of those guys that whenever it's a two shot, of and whoever is opposite of him, my eyes are just always drifting to him. He's something about him pulls my gaze, and I'm like, this guy is just awesome. And he's funny, and he seems like a good person. He seems like a very like uh, you know, kind of classic '80s like good cop sort of situation. He's a good you know? cop,
0: but he's also exhausted. Like he he yes. like constantly looks tired. He's always got a cup of coffee in his hand, and he's always <laughs> <Did> just, just <laughs> like cut to the fucking chase. Like he's just
1: ripping cigarettes and then at one point he asks for a cigarette and he's got one going and he's like oh jesus you know what I mean? it's just like he's just he's just tired you're right he's, he's tired. just exhausted
0: yeah um so yeah i wanted to mention him for sure he's an actor i'm not super familiar with uh, i've seen him once before uh looking at his imdb i didn't even realize he was in this but he's in star trek 2 the wrath of khan and I, I, it's been a while since I've watched that movie, so I can't place him in it. But uh, but I need to go back and check it out and, and see what, what he's doing in that movie, too. I think if I'm looking at it
1: right, Drew, let me know if this checks out on your end. Earl Bowen plays Dr. Peter Silberman. Is that the sort of psychologist at the police department?
0: Yeah, Earl Bowen. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because there's no photograph on on Rotten Tomatoes to show it, but... I wanted to give him a shout out too because he is hilarious in this like he he's he, the timing of his yawns and when he like speaks through them and stuff mm-hmm. like that, I just found hysterical. and I thought he was another scene stealer and almost I could see him being on my list for best supporting supporting, you know, towards towards the year's end. He's really damn funny. And I would say Paul Winfield, who we've spoken about, Lieutenant Traxler, He's His performance is too big to be supporting, supporting, but I could see the Doctor getting in there.
0: Well, you know that Silberman makes an appearance in T2 as well. And it looks like he shows up in T3, as if I'm reading this right. Oh, man, it's been just... so long since I've seen T3. I didn't realize that. That's funny.
1: So those were... The people who really popped to me, Drew, were there any others you kind of wanted to give shout-outs performance-wise?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely want to call out, uh, I, I mentioned him, I believe, earlier in the show in the previous recording, but um, Lance Henriksen, who is a friend of, of uh, James Cameron's, he was the the star of Piranha 2, The, the Spawning. Um, so they had worked together on that and I guess become friends through that. Um, but Lance Henriksen is the guy that, when James Cameron was pitching this movie uh, to the studio... In order to like sell the idea of this like robotic, like scary, menacing dude. Um, he had Lance Henriksen dress up, you know, in a certain way and pretend to be the Terminator and just, like, walked into the, uh, the like, the studio offices to intimidate people at, right before Gail Ann Hurd and James Cameron got there to, to talk about the script. That's awesome. <laughs> so, so that's a funny, like, anecdote that I heard from the behind the scenes. But, uh, but he also then went on to play Bishop. Who's the the android character in Aliens, uh, the second Alien movie that that James Cameron followed this up with, but yeah, and he's he's incredible in that movie. Like he he fully sells the like actually nice like you know supportive android as opposed to like the scary one that they establish in Alien. Like they they flip it on its head and they you know and I think he just crushes that performance. So he's he's fun to see here as well. Um, he dies in kind of a. a Really unfortunate and anticlimactic way, I would say. Because uh, he just shoots the Terminator again after he watched, you know, 10 other people try to do the same thing and get mowed down and just does it. He's like the last one to do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. He thinks, like, I've got it. I've
0: got no, 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 it. no. I will be the one to break through.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, while we're kind of talking about um, these performances, I kind of wanted to hit if you're down with it. I want to hit these these action set pieces, like yeah. the club and the police station. Like those are really, really good mm-hmm. action scenes. But And they're both relatively simple, but they're but I great. was just gonna
0: say they're they're extremely simple, but executed perfectly. Um, which is like it's an underrated thing. Like it's it's like I think like a lot of non-film nerd people watch a movie like Children of Men and are so like captivated by the like single take scenes like action scenes that happen in that movie, which are, I'm not trying to knock them at all. That's a five star movie for me. It's fucking amazing. But those scenes are showy. They're a showpiece for like camera work and like scale and, and, you know, just doing like something that crazy. And I think physical performance. Too. Yeah. And I think that they're showy in a, in a kind of like in a way that's, easy for people to understand why that's you know technically proficient whereas like you watch something simple like these action scenes we're talking about and they're so simple and and he's doing nothing showy with the the camera but the editing and the rhythm of it and the way that uh you know the characters move through the environment it's it's all so calculated and precise that it's like this is the kind of stuff i wish people like appreciated more when they watch these kind of, you know, scenes. Because um, it, it's it's almost more technically impressive to me than doing what Quaron does in, in Children of Men.
1: I totally get what you're saying. Like this sort of like hyper lean, efficient, great visual storytelling, editing choices, boom, boom, boom. This is what propels the action. This is what we're showing in this shot. We're going to cut to this. We're going to cut to that. That is a little um, undervalued by some. I agree.
0: Yeah. And I think I think the best example of that is the the car chase stuff that he does. I think it all is so coherent and like you understand the geography of all, of those scenes every time so well and he's like I feel like that's where Cameron is already fully formed when he's making this movie as opposed to like you know the the club scene and the the police station attack scene. They're both really really well done. But when you watch where he goes with that same kind of scene in T2 and and other, you know, movies like True Lies and whatnot, like, you see how he perfected that over time more. Like, he got better as he went. Whereas, like, the car chase stuff to me is exactly what he does in future movies, and it's just perfect. Like, all the, like, low-to-the-ground camera angles, like, the, the... there's something about how he moves a camera when when he's working with vehicles that I just find so fucking satisfying to the eye.
1: Mm, yeah, he's a beast. I do have one sort of nitpick though. Mm. The sort of clima like the pre-climactic action set piece, which is, in my opinion, the whole like truck thing, the mm. tanker. Something about that just doesn't really it's not
0: exciting to me did you did you react to that
1: scene of like wow fuck yeah like or or anything like
0: that i mean i can, i guess i can kind of see it I, it it's it's slower paced than some of the other stuff um but I, I no i i didn't have a problem with it especially because i think like you see some other stuff in there that is so cool like in terms of the effects work in that scene i think that's what grabs my eye there so it doesn't really maybe bother me as much like i'm thinking about like the prosthetics and the like like anim the uh, animatronic arnold that they're using in there like it it works and like i mean in hd you can see a little bit of the seams but it looks fucking good um and i mean that's credit to stan winston for sure um, you know who later went on to do like the T Rex and Jurassic Park and stuff like that. He's a legend. But also, there's a green screen shot of when the tanker explodes and Linda Hamilton is kind of running away from it. That is so fucking good. It, it's better than. I mean, we were talking yes the, the, on the last recording, like in the pre chat about uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which you know I was pointing out like how fucking awful some of the green screen work is in that movie. This is far superior to that. And it's 1984 on a cheapo budget and his first time directing like that. Or well, first time directing something where he actually like had full control. And like, that is so fucking impressive to me. It looks great.
1: Dude, Dial of Destiny, you have no excuse. It's 2022, 2023. I'm trying to imagine like
0: Jim Cameron sitting in a screening room watching Dial of Destiny and just being like, no, no,
1: no. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Dude, if you want a little bit of fun, a little side note, I've started doing this and I'm enjoying it. If you want to just kind of keep knocking Dial of Destiny down a peg whenever you talk about it, just insert a different brand of soap in place of dial. <laughs> like It's pretty funny. The dove Zest of destiny. Of, <laughs> Zest of destiny.
0: The Irish spring of destiny. Irish spring of destiny. <laughs> 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 I love it.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, I, there's something about even green screenshot aside, there's something about that kind of climactic tanker scene that just doesn't really do it for me. Like, it's like, oh, he steals this truck. I will. I agree with you. The, the effects work on Arnold's face in that truck looks great because I I thought it was Arnold just with really great makeup, and if it's not Arnold and if it's animatronic Arnold, like both are equally impressive to me. Well, you know? so
0: when they shoot him from the side, where you can see the the hole in his cheek and the you know the uh, metal parts, that's the 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 animatronic you know, thing. Um, there's a cut, the shot where he gets into the tanker and says, get out. That's obviously Arnold himself. But, um, but I think pretty much everything after that is not, which is, that's really impressive.
1: Yeah. They're both, they're both awesome. And, but then thinking about this, the solution is like, I'll throw a stick of dynamite in the tailpipe and the truck blows up. I don't know. I don't really know what I'm asking the movie to do. Like it's fine, but something about it just was kind of, it just felt kind of, eh. but anyway,
0: no, that's fair. Um, did you? I mean, did you like like the stuff in the uh, warehouse when they're fighting at the end? No, like the, I didn't. The further, okay. So you just don't like yeah. the final, the kind of climactic stuff in this.
1: Yeah, movie. for for whatever reason, the last ten minutes get kind of watch checky for me, where I'm mm-hmm. just like, okay, we kind of see where this is going. I also think that Kyle Reese's death is a little anticlimactic as well. She just I kind of rolls agree. him over and he's, he's dead now. Um, and also get on your feet. Soldier is a terrible line. Oh my God. When she says that to him, when he's like struck, get on your feet soldier. It's like, Oh dude, I'm going to throw up on the desk so bad. Uh, so yeah, it kind of, for me, the movie a little bit falls apart for, for the closing 10 minutes. Which is funny because that's kind of a huge criticism, but in some ways, like everything that has led to those ten minutes has been really quite strong in many ways. You
0: gotta like, admit though that your terminated fucker is one of the best like, you know, kill kill shot lines you've ever heard.
1: I guess. I mean, it's it's okay. Come There's on, nothing man. Wrong with dude, that's cheesy <laughs>
0: like sci-fi fun, man. Come on, get off yeah. your high horse, you jackass.
1: <laughs> Leave those lines for the movie stars, you know. But oh, um, no, it's fine. She kills it's, it's, that it's line. Fine.
0: It's iconic. Your terminated fucker is an iconic line. Dude, I have seen that scene like clipped out so many times before I watched this movie. Like I knew that line. For me, I mean, obviously I'll be back is a Ooh. huge.
1: We'll, we'll talk about I'll be back. That's but by
0: far the biggest one.
1: For yeah, well, sure. we'll to stay kind of in the whole, whole kind of warehouse ending, it's a good solution for how you actually dispatch this Terminator. And it is cool how it again returns – if it even ever left, to this horror movie idea, like this a relentless robot just kind of pursuing. It, and it is it, it is effective in that way, and just like every ounce of it is still trying to come for you. You know what I mean? Like all that shit is like is cool, and it's fine. How do we feel about how much slack are you cutting the effects work of the robot in motion when it's
0: like a, a long shot? Oh, it's you're talking clearly, about like the stop-motion animation the that stop they do motion, for that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's not the best. It's it's clearly done on the cheap. I think that when you when you have the uh, animatronic robot, it works a lot better. Uh, Where well, actually, it's it's not anim- animatronic. It's a puppet um, that they've got like four or five puppeteers working at at any given time. And I think it's only the upper torso, so there's very few shots where they use the puppet, but it really works. I, I I don't I don't think that blends as well, but I mean I think that's entirely up to budget. Like that that's the reason for that more than anything.
1: Yeah, and I think it's just like it is what it is.
0: In terms of lighting, like the visual aspect, I think works. Like it it works within its environment. It's just that the movements themselves are a little herky jerky.
1: Yeah, it's pretty herky jerky, and it is just kind of. It just kind of looks a little shitty but you need it because you need to show the speed of movement which the puppet can't really capture and i agree the puppet work is awesome like when we get in close and we see the foot the footsteps and you, we the robots like taking up the terminators like taking up the screen like mm-hmm. all that shit is is great and i'm like yeah, this looks awesome and you need those wides to show it in motion and that it's pretty fast so it's just a necessary evil and I think, yeah, they just couldn't really afford to make it look better. But it doesn't sour it. And also you get cut it some slack for the year as well. But, well, you know, we're kind of in the, in a f- effects mode here and maybe we've hit uh, most of it. But I did think there was a little bit of a mixed bag with the effects work and some of it. I'm, I'm not sure how I feel. We've talked about the kind of how those ingredients are included in the ending of the movie. Um. One way I think is actually really good is sneakily the electricity for the time travel. Mm-hmm. I think that shit looks All really good. All the lightning good.
0: effects are great.
1: Yeah, they look spectacular. I mean, and and they, going
0: back to the hydraulic press moment, like the the lightning coming coming out of that as well looks great.
1: That looks really good. And the robot just getting squashed in general and the eye dimming is just cool. It's fucking mm-hmm. cool. Um, so that stuff is like really strong. And then I see like animatronic Arnold in the hotel mirror, like, cutting his eye. Part of me wants to be impressed by the amount of craft that went into creating that. But then the reality of seeing it on screen just doesn't look that good, in my opinion. What do you think of that stuff?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I, I agree. It's not, it's not the best-looking effect. It's what they could do with what they had, I think. Um, so I cut it some slack there. Again, it kind of comes down to movement, being the issue and like kind of it's not a great uh, robot in that I think its movements are a little um, unnatural. Um, I think also that particular scene the reason that that doesn't work as well as animatronic Arnold in the uh, oil tanker to me is it, it comes down to lighting and I think that that's probably like a lesson that, that Cameron learned from this was like it's very important to use lighting that is going to mask some of the seams you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, good point. It's a good point.
0: Since we're talking about technical elements, do we want to talk about the music of this movie? Because I had yes. something I wanted to say, which is like the Terminator theme is an iconic theme. And I was shocked when I heard this movie's theme and realized it's not the iconic one that we we know. I mean, it's it's very reminiscent of it, but the beats that it hits are different. So this one is just kind of like a dun 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 it like it goes, but like Terminator two and onward, like the iconic one is bop bop ba. You know, it's like it's I
1: thought this one had that too. No, it does it doesn't
0: do the pause. It never pauses.
1: Really? Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Yeah, that is the score for me is is a bit sticky because that... Even though it sounds like you're saying that it evolved a bit and came, became better in T2 and beyond, the, the bones of it are still very much the bum, 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 bum. And like, that's like the iconic part of the score. That is a fucking great score. And it's, I think, maybe a little underrated. You know, you and I always talk about Bond versus Mission Impossible and like Indiana Jones, like these great scores. I don't think people give enough love to Terminator as being this kind of iconic, badass, really cool score. That said, there's a lot of this score that I can't stand. That is just so synthy and 80s and bad sounding that I'm just like, "Ugh," like particularly in the beginning when Reese time travels and gets the, you know, homeless person's pants and it's like running around away from the cops, it just sounds like ass, dude. It's so <laughs> the score is so shitty there.
0: See, I don't know, that doesn't bother me at all. I just come to expect that from 80s movies. I wanted to also just mention here the scenes of the the future, you know, war zone and and like the future, you know, where people are living underground and whatnot. Um, I love all of that stuff, and that's another thing that got a little bit hampered by budget. And that, like, I heard a story about that where Cameron was spending so much time and money on those scenes that the studio mandated that he only shoot like, the shots that he plans ahead of time and, like, that they can budget out. Like, they had to, like, put their foot down because they still weren't sure that this was going to be a hit, you know? This could have been just a B-movie, like, you know, just kind of schlocky, uh, uh, you know, movie. And so, like, to them, they're like, what What the fuck is this kid doing? He's, like, he's spending all this time and money. And But I will say, like, they look amazing. You want to talk about, like, great effects work, the, like, you know, the ships kind of flying by and, like, the giant mechs that are rolling through and, you know, kind of the, the compositing that he's doing between, um, you know, the the real-life photography and the miniature photography is just it, – it's incredible. It all – it works seamlessly.
1: And it all – just builds and fleshes out the world in such an interesting way because we really don't spend much time there, but it's very well thought out and very well crafted. And I'm so glad you brought it up from an effects category. Cause I could completely agree, you know, I'm watching it on the Blu-ray and I'm like, dude, this shit looks great. The ships and everything, just like you said, I'm right there with you. Fucking awesome. And then when we go to that flashback, when the Terminator shows up and the dogs start barking and shit, like that's just a cool the the world building is great there. There's those people like watching the TV and we realize it's just like a fireplace that they've kind of fashioned and and you can tell that they probably stripped every piece of metal and everything that was useful out of the TV and it's just the hollow box now. And it's like there's a lot that's told to you just in that few seconds worth of footage, you know. It's really and and like every shot of this future shit is kind of like that, you know?
0: Yeah. And it's not effects work, but I do love the whole scene of the uh, the first, you know, human passing Terminator that, that kind of goes into that tunnel and starts killing. That's the most horrific scene in the movie for me.
1: Oof. Yeah. For me, the most horror, horror scene in the movie is Sarah Connor's friend's boyfriend. And she's mm, like sure. she's like dancing in the kitchen listening to the music. It's and very that's, Michael Myers in Halloween. Yes, that's like straight up like a Friday the Thirteenth type of like scene. Where yeah. Well, I mean, when here. he was
0: writing the script, uh, Cameron was heavily influenced by Carpenter, um, you know, with awesome with, uh, Halloween. I can he's, see it. He's credited that. So
1: that's that's sick. And it's just like yeah, it's like. But I get what you're saying too. The other scene in the future is also like super horrific and it made me think like glowing eyes in the dark glowing eyes with that machine gun is just so crazy and it made me think like why do they make these fucking terminators like the biggest dudes wouldn't that be so easy to spot like everyone's malnourished and shit like that and it's like ah cameron was one step ahead of me. That's what they do in T two. T two is well, like a normal looking person. On
0: that I mean, the the when you look at the alternate castings for the Terminator, they were going for you know smaller, more you know Robert Patrick sized uh, uh, kind of Terminators as opposed to the hulking you know monster of of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, like some of the alternate castings that I saw on uh, Wikipedia, so you know take it with a grain of salt. Salt um, grain. Salt grain. <laughs> They did they did mention Sylvester Stallone as, as someone that he was interested in. Um they, I, I guess he must have actually turned it down, but they also offered it to Mel Gibson. And Mel Gibson is coming off of, you know, the Road Warrior and stuff. He's like in his, you know. I mean, not that he was ever like a giant hulking mass, but he like he was still kind of in his younger, more svelt action hero days. Yeah. yeah. Um
1: svelte Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> um but um, I just it's a bit of a nitpick, but I do wish that the Terminator in the future that shows up and goes on that rampage was like not an Arnold body type, because I think it would have projected the idea better within this film, looking at it from like a bottle perspective is like, let's pretend this is all we have. I think it would have reinforced the idea that you don't know what they look like. They could look like anybody. And so I wish it wasn't this hulking, you know. Yeah. Lou Ferrigno type, you know. Yeah, but that's absolutely. all right. It's just a minor, minor thing. I am such a sucker. You want to get to me, Drew? Any director, any filmmaker out there, there is a very simple – there are several simple keys to my heart. One of them is has always been and probably will forever be someone jumping into a truck with a turret on it. And shooting at something that's chasing them like is just always the coolest fucking thing to me, Hmm. especially when the thing chasing them is like a helicopter or in flight like it is in this movie, you know, some sort of death drone, like a pickup truck rumbling through wreckage and someone just like on the turret, like preferably shouting while they're firing. That would be even better. Is just has always seemed like the coolest fucking thing to me since I was a wee fucking rat, and now it's just it remains. I still think it's so fucking cool.
0: So let me ask you this: Does the the get some guy in in Full Metal Jacket? Is that uh, are you into that guy that, as well? He's not in a car. He's in a he's in a helicopter. Does that count? True. That's a shamer of mine. Good God, man! I have not
1: seen Full Metal Jacket. Hey, look it up there. It'll get up there. But, and I'll, we'll revisit it whenever, you know, eight months from now. We do need to get a
0: Kubrick up there at some point.
1: Yeah. So, uh, and that would be a great one because it came up in conversation last night at a party I was at. And I was just like, kind of sheep shy classic shamer i didn't i couldn't even say it i'm i'm sick of the ridicule and the, the 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 thumbs down in the middle of the Coliseum. like i don't i don't want to even mention it anymore so that's that's the sign of a shamer it comes up at a party and you just kind of cr- cover your penis with your hands and shy away <laughs> <laughs> so uh anyway uh so yeah turret shots and we'll revisit it whenever we get to that but I, i'm a sucker for it Um, that's cool yeah
0: it it looks good that guy gets absolutely wrecked uh when the car crashes but
1: yeah i want to talk about i'll be back if you're ready to get into this sure because it is i mean it's. i can't imagine this is going to be a 10 minutes worth of of chat about this because it's not that much to say but it is one of the iconic lines in movie history in my opinion and it is so simple it's really not even that great of a line from a writing perspective it's fine but what makes it iconic, in my opinion, is a combination of how it's shot, which is just Schwarzenegger leaning straight into the camera, pretty much. And before that, everything seems to be kind of on the side of him, leading up to that. And, and I don't mean throughout the whole movie, but
0: in that scene, when
1: in that scene, exactly, like the shots are kind of like profile-y. Right. So it's very jarring when we cut to this kind of lean-in close-up and the delivery of "I'll be back." And I don't think that line is iconic if anybody else does it. I mean, we could think of some other people who maybe could get it close. Maybe Stallone. I know those two get compared so often. But I think you need Arnold to really hit it it just that way and he fucking crushes it obviously he's the well, reason he, it's an what's funny line.
0: is he didn't even want to say that line he wanted to say i will be back because he was having trouble with the the owl uh like sound when when he was uh you know with his accent um and he tried to like change it on the day and Cameron was like i won't coach you on the acting you don't coach me on the directing say the line <laughs> or say or on, on the writing you know and he and he's like uh and and Cameron just knew instinctively that there was something about that phrasing that that would connect. And he he's really good at those kind of lines, I feel like. I mean, again, you know, we've mentioned uh, Titanic when we were talking about Cameron, but like say what you will about some of the lines in that movie. But they are iconic. You know, I'm the king of the world. Like, come on. <laughs> like, Yeah.
1: Yeah. That is a good line. You're
0: right. Yeah, and he Simple. he knows when he like has those like big moments, he's got to get one of those in. And I mean, I think uh, your terminated fucker is another one of
1: them. Yep, yep. I'm not there with you, but I can appreciate the opinion.
0: But going back to the "I'll be back" line, that kind of brings me to maybe a perfect transition to a, a smaller segment of top brutes. Mm-hmm. We don't want to spend I'll too leave. much time on this, but. I We're will gonna say, take a
1: page out of Cameron's playbook. We're gonna do a lean, efficient top route.
0: Absolutely, I love that. Um, but yeah, the I'll be backline leads to Arnold Schwarzenegger barreling, you know, a car through the front of the police station and smashing that dude into the back wall with it. Which is like, and and you want to talk about a, a, another really solid special effect? The the dummy that they use yeah. it it sells the effect completely.
1: Yeah, dude. That is such a good candidate for top brute. Might be mine. I've got one that or two that tussle with it, but that is a great shot. It's a great brute, and I completely agree. The great great effects work with that yeah. dummy.
0: Well, I've got one other uh, top brute that I, I am going to put in contention, but do you have others before I get to that one? Because that one is maybe my my winner. I've
1: got two others, one of which we've already mentioned, so I'll just throw this one out there, which is roommates boyfriends getting thrashed around by Schwarzenegger is uh is such a brute and especially when the girlfriend finally realizes what's happening and he comes he gets thrown through the door and he's just kind of like ragdolling down on the ground like that was again like horror movie type of shot and just a top top brute in my opinion and then I have one other that I'll keep in the chamber because it might be it might be what you're about to say.
0: Okay. Well, the one I'm about to say is right in line with the one that won your award at the Unas last uh, this last 50, um, which is where Dolph Lundgren punches through a scientist's face mask into <laughs> his head. Um, this movie has in very early on one of the better brutes I've seen recently, which is Arnold Schwarzenegger punching through the punk kid's chest. And raising him up on it, yeah, uppercut, like, completely, yeah, <laughs> uppercut. But also just like <laughs> impaled on this dude's arm, like
1: that was my other one. I'm right there with you, dude. Great top brute, and and it's so clear that the Universal Soldier was paying so many homages to this movie, which is probably no great surprise. Um, and if anyone wants to check out our episode on that. Give it a whirl. It's a good, great, great fun fun
0: little action movie. Yeah. If you just need a brainless action movie. Yeah.
1: But once again, we have a situation with punks or assholes and somebody walks into their world that clearly should not be fucked with. We have a buck naked Arnold Schwarzenegger. What is he like? Six, seven. I don't know how big the guy is. He's fucking huge. Ass naked. Swinging dick, and he comes walking in there.
0: Let's also call out, that dick is swinging.
1: That dick is swinging. And Arnie, Arnie's packing. Deal? Arnie is packing some heat, dude. He, the man <laughs> was has been given many gifts in life, and we got a glimpse of, of yet another one. But, um, so yeah, he's... he's uh, <laughs> makes me think of that great line of total recall what you've been feeding this thing blondes (laughs) (laughs) Um, so uh but yeah he's walking in there and it's like Kind of reminds me of Morgan Freeman in The Dark Knight. Your plan is to blackmail this person? It's like, <laughs> your plan is to fuck with this person? Like, like, what is wrong with you guys? And Universal Soldier does a very similar thing where Dolph walks up and has a necklace made out of ears, human ears, and this guy's like, <laughs> I got one made out of noses, and then he gets his fucking shit kicked in. It's like so funny. He's this a so scrawny
0: funny. little dude. He's even less intimidating than the punk kids in this.
1: Anyway, that I think it's between that and the car for me. And I'm going to go with the uppercut fist hoist, (laughs) the uppercut hoist, just because it's right away. We establish his strength and and brutality and everything really quickly. So I'm going with uppercut fist punch for Top Brute.
0: Absolutely. That's mine. Uh, But close, close second to uh, the police guy getting just absolutely obliterated by the car. Um, yeah, 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 that's a heel nipper. So there's our, our clear and concise top roots category for the day. I think we're kind of to the wrap-up notes section, wouldn't you say so? Yeah, I think so too. Just kind of doing one
1: last little look through here. Oh, here's something I wanted to hit. I mentioned how I have some issues with the ending, it just not being as interesting. I'm wondering if part of that is that we lose Arnold. We lose his physicality for the last like 10 minutes cuz it's just I think full that's on fair. robot. And I'm not saying that's a mistake. I think it's it's a necessary thing. You really want to see what this uh force of AI is when it's stripped well. bare of its of its items. But the just the reality of that is that we don't get Arnold's for about 10 minutes.
0: I tend to agree with you and I kind of wonder if James Cameron also agrees with you because he doesn't make that mistake in T2. He keeps Arnold there for the whole thing and I think he knows that um, especially in a in the mode where Arnie is the good guy, he needs to make sure that that emotionality can be conveyed, you know, like he, like and and you just can't do that with a, an expressionless faceless, you know, robot.
1: Yep. And That's it for me, man. Any other notes you wanted to hit before we before we kind of wrap up with the terminator and put something new up on the board.
0: Um I don't really have anything else. I, I but I did a speed rewatch this morning of it just to kind of refresh myself, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I just I was so shocked. I one of the scenes that that in hindsight is like wait, wait who the fuck reacts like that? Is um when when Sarah Connor is still at the diner. And the news report comes on about another Sarah Connor being being killed. The her coworker brings her over to watch the TV and introduces it by saying, You're gonna love this. It's like, what do you so Sarah Connors are being hunted? And you think that this is something she wants to hear?
1: <laughs> and um, also I, I, I got a little bit of beef with that diner scene where she's in the weeds it's pretty little, over it's, the top it's a little over the top we should give you the tip it's like that your son just wasted his ice cream
0: yeah. <laughs> like, no that that's that 100%, not how my father would have reacted that's a hundred percent cameron shorthand you know like where yes. he's oversimplifying a little bit
1: it's a great example of going oh this is a person who's never worked in a restaurant. I would I would bet money that James Cameron has never worked in a
0: restaurant. Because no, just, but he is. He was a blue collar day. guy. I mean he he was a trucker for a long time.
1: Oh yeah, no, I'm not saying he's like a silver spooned asshole. I'm just saying um, there's like it's like a coin flip. I feel like half the nation has worked in restaurants at one point in their life, and the other half hasn't. And I've got a, I think a good detector for when somebody hasn't. Anybody
0: and, who's worked know, in a restaurant. W- knows how to pick those people out too.
1: Yep, and you you see that scene and you're like, I get what you're going for. You're trying to show in the weeds, but it's not really quite like this. It is fine. It doesn't tank the movie or anything. It's fine.
0: Miss, I'm ready to order.
1: Yeah, where re- I had the beef. I had the it's like that none of, that shit doesn't happen at the same time. <laughs> but anyway.
0: Well, let's wrap up there on the Terminator and get something new on the board. This is slot number 20, Jared. So this is a big one.
1: It is a big burden and a big choice. And I've been I've been chasing after this movie for a while. And I really hope you haven't seen it. So my father recommended this movie to me. Uh-oh, he said it's weird. He said it's... He, he, he remembers it kind of vaguely, but he remembers really liking it and was very kind of off the beaten path. Have you ever heard...
0: Of Altered States. That's a name that rings a bell, but I don't know anything about it.
1: Fuck yeah. Okay, so I do not know much about it. I did search it. I saw that it is available. It's a movie we could track down. William Hurt is in it, and it's kind of a mind-bendy sci-fi thing. And I think it's strong enough to be, from a title, a 20. Altered States. Sounds
0: it's a good. good. It's a good name. I, yep. I like it. And it's from 1980, so it's, it's early... Bill Hurt. I mean, I think that's either the same year or one year before Body Heat. So, like, that's that's prime Hurt years
1: in my oh yeah. We're we're Hurt is entering his peak, which does not really fade until like two (laughs) thousand eight. Like he's he was peaking for a long time. He's always been great. And it just oh, seems yeah. like a cool movie. I don't know much about it. Um,
0: yeah, this looks it, neat. I, I'm, it looks I'm neat, right? I'm very into this, yeah.
1: Cool. Uh, so I, I, I'm into it. Um, who knows when we'll hit it, obviously. It's written
0: but... by Patty Chayefsky? What? Oh, I didn't know yes. that. <laughs> yeah,
1: dude, this is going to be sick. Writer,
0: <laughs> the writer behind one of the greatest scripts of all time, Network, wrote this movie. That's amazing. All right, I'm, I'm in. Hell but yeah.
1: Let's fucking do it, dude. Altered States, going in at the 20 spot.
0: All right, altered states from 1980. Let's review the board now with that added. At number one, you can count on me. Number two, Akiru. Number three, Zed. Number four, Rio Bravo. Number five, Alien 3. Number six, Anomalisa. Number seven, Amadeus. Number eight, Election. Number nine, Get Carter. Number 10, The Limey. Number 11, Coraline. Number 12, Big Night. Number 13, Night Moves. Number 14, The Karate Kid. Number 15, The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Number 16, Secrets and Lies. Number 17, Seven Days of May. Number 18, Snatch. Number 19, Strange Days. And number 20, Altered states
1: i think it fits dude i i I try to put a new spin on
0: on the intonation there we'll see if that sticks
1: well if the fates have it you'll have many weeks perhaps to 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 toy with altered states and how you want to hit it so it'll be fun but uh i'm ready to throw this thing you ready let's Let's find out what we'll watch in let's do it Well, Drew, the dart has spoken.
0: Well, Jared, what has it got for us?
1: Lucky number 13.
0: 13 is Night Moves.
1: Fuck yes.
0: We're going back to noir, <laughs> baby.
1: I love this, Joyce. Okay, and that's just, this was also for people who might know, or might, for people who might know, for people who might not know, this was right when I took my 70s break for nominating 70s movies, was Night Moves. I was like, I'm taking a break from a while from nominating movies from the 70s. And I have been very excited about seeing this movie. It's like prime Hackman. I don't know much about it. And I've been wanting to check it out for so long, so I'm so glad we hit it.
0: Hackman's a guy that I've been meaning to get back to in terms of like digging into his filmography. Um, I'm a huge fan of The French Connection, really like Bonnie and Clyde, which is actually the same filmmaker as Night Moves. And yeah, I'm just, I, I, that era of, of Gene Hackman is prime. Uh, the conversation, you know, another one. Yeah. Oof. So I'm very oh, excited oh. to get into him.
1: Fuck yeah, dude. 1975's Night Moves. Currently available to stream on the Criterion channel. Everywhere else is paid to rent, but uh, yeah, pony up a couple of bucks and check it out. Come along with us next week. If you want to.
0: That'll do it then for the Terminator. Next week's going to be Night Moves. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please remember to rate, review, and give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. If you want to keep in touch or give us a recommendation, drop us a line at dartboardmovienight at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, at night. Artwork for the show was created by Veronica Roman, and all of our music is by Eric Williams. Play us out, Eric. Sorry, Mac. Later. Um, so this was kind of her her breakout year in terms of being like a, a a film actor. Um and quite honestly she never really got the career that I think she deserved. Um you know I mean she had uh, Dante's Peak was was uh you know a, a decent little uh, action movie in the 90s. Um she had you know a bunch of like voice roles Dante's it looks Peak like and
1: Little. That movie is iconic man. Dante's Peak is a for anyone
0: who was eight years old when that came out, like me and Jared, <laughs> were yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah, um, everyone
1: always gets that confused with what's the other one? Mount something. I can't remember the Pierce Bros. What's the there's the Pierce one. Well, and then Dante's
0: there's... Peak Volcano is is the that's the, it. The, the two because Volcano the is two. the one where uh, L. A. has a a volcano erupt underneath it. Oh my god! With Tommy Lee Jones and Tommy uh,
1: Lee Jones, there is one of my favorite. I'm like accidentally hilarious things in that movie is uh they're no they don't really know that the volcano's happening and a like city worker crawls out of the sewer on fire from the lava and nobody knows what's happening. He like rolls over and his last words before he dies are hot. <laughs> he just <laughs> says hot <laughs>